Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unauthorized Cinnamon, a Deadwood podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Daniel Herman. I'm Harry J. Perales, the other. And we are on to episode three of season two of Deadwood called New Money. And this is, uh, <clears throat> we see the beginning of a problem for Al, not only physically, but in the form of Walcott. Yeah. Uh, which we will get to in just a sec, but we open up and we're in Al's office slash room, and Al's on the f- lying on the floor, shaking in pain. <laughs> uh, there's a lot about this episode and the next of Al's problem that reminded me of when my appendix burst a year and a half ago. Wow. The uh, whole like just shivering with mm-hmm. like and not being able to, well, I can move and stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. a lot of that I was like, that kind of looks like how I felt. Yeah, this is particularly close to me because last like yesterday I had a 24 hour bout with food poisoning, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I watched this. I was like, oh god damn it! You're in the right frame of mind. Yeah. Uh, downstairs, everyone's kind of waiting around for Al. Uh, Dan is trying to like reassure everyone. He's like, look, you just had a long day. He just he earned himself sleeping in. Um, trying to maintain control. Mm-hmm. Basically, everybody's just like waiting for Al to open it up. And mm-hmm. N- and now this episode, we get a David Milch commentary track for on the DVDs, which is a goddamn gift from the heavens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he talks about how the storyline of Al getting is incapacitated reflected real life. Uh, it made all the gem family nervous in the show, but also made all the other actors nervous, like having to be the focus of scenes mm-hmm. and like not having, cause you know, Ian McShane just would take over scenes and yeah. everyone played off of him and without him there, it's, it's like, okay, who, who's, who's the center of gravity? Yeah. Um, it's like taking away the sun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he says, there's a quote from him, it's, it's like a mobile, you push one little part of it, and the whole goddamn thing starts losing equilibrium. <laughs> like, you just pull on one little figure, and the whole thing's uh, shaking around. Um, now, we go out to the thoroughfare, and Francis Walcott has arrived. And it's our old friend. <laughs> it's uh, Garrett Dillahunt, who played Jack McCall. <laughs> It's really fun. When I first watched this, I was like, wait, did Jack McCall, like, get his eye fixed and, and like, spruce himself up and come back? Is that what we're playing? He was uh, going to go on the Old West version of Mari and be like, I was an ugly duckling. Yeah. Check me out now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there, and there's another thing on the commentary track of Milch saying, like, a bunch of people were, like, upset that I use the same guy for two different characters. And I never got that. He's like, who gives a shit? He's like... <laughs> You don't go to a movie and see Tom Cruise and be like, wait a minute, he was this other character in this other movie. And I was kind of like, well, that's not the same because no. <laughs> it's a different, you know, but it's also like when he's like, what's the, what's the big deal? And yeah. it's like, okay, I guess I can't. Also, I mean, that's not, that's not a fair, that's not a fair comparison because Tom Cruise is just Tom Cruise. <laughs> yeah. <in> another movie. <laughs> he never really transforms except for Oh man, he's running again. This is the same guy. <laughs> he's running really intensely. Uh and I Charlie's kind of walking by and he gives I just noticed that it. it's just like a throwaway scene, but Charlie walks by and kind of gives 
Walcott a bit of a look, mm-hmm. like kind of turns and let you know. And I wonder, like, is Charlie sensing something about Walcott? Like, I guess on the one hand, you know, the episode's called New Money, and that's mm-hmm. what Walcott is. <clears throat> and maybe just someone of that, like, gravity, as you were talking mm-hmm. about with yeah. Swearingen, just kind of attracts attention. Um, but I, I wondered if it was, like, kind of a sly little wink that it's the same actor that played McCall, <laughs> and Charlie's like, oh, no, wait a minute now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, I must be seeing things. <laughs> I didn't know if, like, you know, Charlie's a law enforcement official now and he knows that that guy's trouble or something. Anyway, but Walcott says that he's uh, looking to buy uh, an assortment of claims, which mm-hmm. is pretty bold. And EB is, you know, sizing him up and he's like, oh, it's a shrewd hedging, which tells me this is not your first foray into mining. And he says, uh, I suppose if it was, a, I wouldn't tell you about it. He's like, mm, well, that's awesome. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> he's just mewling and sizing him up. Um, we go to the Bullock house and Seth kind of makes a mention that Martha bought provisions last night. And she says, well, it's a 24 hour camp, which was interesting. Cause even now, like, even New York, they call it City Never Sleeps, but it's, you know, things shut down mm-hmm. at a certain point. And, like, even back then, like, things are open 24 hours, I guess, just for <laughs> the purposes of vice. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and here he kind of, he comes clean to her that, like, look, I lied about writing a letter to you about Alma. Uh, mm-hmm. Hope you wouldn't... Uh, <laughs> think that i that i did and she says like well i lied about having gotten it from you so whatever like let's not talk about it yeah and she's like i'll hold my deepest gratitude mr bullock for what will let us live as we are now which is for like whatever you did before i got here i don't mm-hmm. that's fine just okay don't, don't put me and my son in the street i guess mm-hmm. <laughs> we're happy to agree upon this lie if we can just live in this nice house and that makes her seem very like greedy, and I don't mean that. I'm just right. like, look, we're really happy to have this instead of being destitute. So, and it's kind of heartbreaking because she's she's stuck with the choice of like, I can just sit here and make this work. That's obviously not what I wanted out of life, or I can go it on my own, which is pointless for a woman to do back then. It's it's she's not gonna get anything accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the Grand Central, uh, Walcott is <laughs> really disgusted at the food. And he goes, uh, he's like this, what is he looking at that's turned bad? It's like the the oatmeal. Oatmeal, oatmeal yeah. <laughs> and like the days are, like, I, I put down the like, the days are coming to an end when Evie could just like get away with putting out nasty food. And like, well, this is your only option. Right. Now we got this new money in town they're, they're not going to put up with that and there'll be other like real restaurants coming in mm-hmm. <clears throat> he just kind of turns like richardson goddamn you <laughs> <laughs> and richardson it's 45 minutes yet until the three hours <laughs> he was a stop spouting gibberish and really <laughs> uh talking about richardson and and uh uh, the help that he can h- hope to find in Deadwood. 
There's a great line. A camp like this, one draws one's menials from a small and brackish pool. (laughs) Uh, As they're kind of sitting down to eat, Maddie and Joni are eating, and Maddie spots Walcott. And Evie is trying to go over this business proposal with him. Uh, I believe, was this about the, the letter at this point? Or is that later? Anyway, he's... I think it's, I think it's a little bit later. Or okay. maybe like the next scene. Oh, I think it's like in his hotel room. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's going over and she tells Joni that like... And, and this episode and the next one, there's a lot of people like instantly sizing up EB and what mm-hmm. he's doing. <laughs> uh, Maddie from like across the room is like, that guy's trying to pull a fast one on, on this guy. <laughs> and this guy, Mr. W, he's a... A specialist. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gonna make a meal. He's like he's gonna wreck Evie's shit like real easily. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, she. This is where she tells Joni that he's a high-priced specialist trick, known as Mister W. Uh, then we go to the gym. <laughs> Evie's come over to the gym to to tell. Al about this new money that's coming to town. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, they have it closed off because Al's not out yet. EB's just pounding on the door. EB Fordham demanding entry. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Dane and Johnny kind of talk him out of going to see Al because Al's bad off. <laughs> that's when Dane asks him if he has a message for him. <laughs> EB like dictates his letter to him. <laughs> Al. If you're not dead and already moldering, I send news to revive you. A fish to rival the fabled Leviathan has swum into our waters. Get well soon, and we'll land the cocksucker together. Your friend, E.B. You might add as, as postscript, as I also have the news you dispatched me to secure of the newly arrived cunt. <laughs> I love these... High flowery words followed by like cunt yeah. and trim. <laughs> Back outside the Bullock House, there's this kid talking to William. Tells him about the fish that's in this creek that runs mm-hmm. in front. And this is the second like talk about a big fish. Mm-hmm. Um, so I-, I always thought this was kind of a strange scene with the kid. Because mm-hmm. I was like, there's this kind of sense of like foreboding in it. And like the shot of the kid. You know, as he leaves, looking at his shoulder, I'm like, what's the deal with this? Is there some, like, innuendo I'm not picking up on? Did they put a bomb in the fish? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I found out what this scene is about. Oh. And it's not fun. Um, The redheaded kid going to Oregon was the son of a friend of David Milch's Mm -hmm. uh, who was dying. The kid was dying. Wow. Uh, So Milch, like wrote him apart because a kid had always wanted to be an actor. Uh, so, yeah, he just wrote him this quick little scene because he was um, the kid got to see the episode, but the kid died three days before it aired. Wow. So, like, it was funny. I was like, what the fuck is up with this? It's so stupid. And then, then yeah. on the commentary, tells a story, and he's like, yeah, that was sad. That was real sad, that poor kid. And I was like, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um. But anyway, that's the story of that kid. So let's enjoy that little scene. Yeah. But Seth comes. It also, it also kind of sets up to the notion of like, this is the one kid that like he could, or 
because even Seth kind of sees that, like, this kid could have been a friend to him, but he has yeah. to go to Oregon. And William doesn't have anybody to play with except Sophia. Sophia is his only chance of, like, somebody on his and own. Socializing. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, like, the reason the kid's leaving, because it's not suitable for... Yeah. Because he says, like, Pop says, we ain't never coming back yeah. here. <laughs> And I took I took that to mean that it's just not a good place to live. No, I and it, like it, it might have been that the the kid's dad like failed to get gold, and he's like, oh, "Fuck this camp." But mm-hmm. I think it's more like the same as Sophia's family of like we're like the mom was all pissed. I'm like yeah. we're going home. <laughs> this place is a, a den of sin. But Seth uh, comes out, and uh, he tells William that. He didn't have to fight Al to get his gun and get and badge back. And hmm. <clears throat> I, I just talked to him and I got it back and it's all fine. And um, so William kind of tells him that the kid pointed out the, or I think Seth brings up, he's like, there's a trout that loiters around the bottom mm-hmm. of the creek. <laughs> like when I get home, we'll make him pay <laughs> for a slothful waste. <laughs> I love that line. Yeah. And you kind of remember that. Seth was called sloth by his yeah, by yeah. his dad, which he absolutely is not. Right. But you can see that kind of upbringing where what you didn't uh, build a whole house today, <laughs> what are you being so lazy for? We uh, go out to the Garrett claim. This is like a huge, new, impressive set, uh, and Ellsworth is showing Alma around. There's this huge, like five stamp thing, which I'm just like, I don't. What the fuck is that? <laughs> Uh, it's horribly loud. Uh, I'm guessing it like breaks up the rock. I'm, I don't know why I'm guessing because I have absolutely no idea what it does. Um, and she's like, uh, do we have enough here to justify the five stamp machine? He's like, we could easily justify 25 stamps. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> and I think, I think what he tells her is like, it's a legal matter because we don't have an actual claim. And if you try and buy machinery that big, they're like, what do you need with this like do you have an actual claim you can't just be like don't worry about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) um we go back to the grand central and here mzizringhausen tells seth that uh yeah seth's come up i guess to talk to alma about you know uh william needs a friend yeah he um Comes up to her and, and she said, no, Miss Garrett is at her claim. And I think Miss Isringhausen is very happy to tell him to fuck off. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and he gives Seth uh, his watch back. And he's he, he has like this look on his face of like embarrassment. of like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and he kind of brings up the subject of like, well, I was going to ask her if uh, since William and Sophia are the only kids in the camp, you know, I mean, that Miss Isringhausen is like, well, you'll have to talk to her about it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, thank <laughs> you. He As he walks out, Evie's coming in and has that little, like, the camp pugilist. <laughs> uh, we get this scene of Maddie and Joni walking and talking. Um, in the uh, commentary, Melch mentioned that they shot this, like, after everything else had been shot because it kind of cuts together with the shot of Walcott going into his room and talking to E.B. And he's like, we needed something to kind of like break up the scene with Walcott and E.B. But Maddie here is explaining to her that it wasn't just 
Joni's invitation that brought her to Deadwood, she was like, just you asking me out is not going to be enough <laughs> to make me come out to this shithole. Uh, but he heard that, um, you know, Walcott was coming and she knows he works for Hearst. And he's like, if George Hearst is interested in this place, then it must be on the rise. It makes its uh, prospects look good. And that's when she brings up that Walcott gets cranky when girls disappoint him. And it sometimes, quote, runs away from him, which is not good. That's bad. Yeah. Um, Isn't it earlier when uh, Maddie makes some comment about, like, some girl being on ice or something? Yeah, it's yeah. it's like right after this. Like, I got oh, this girl that he okay. wants on ice. Yeah. Um, I still don't understand why she held her back for a while. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't... I don't quite get her reason i guess to get more money out of it make him more desperate mm-hmm. for it no idea but this is where eb brings up the subject of uh wild bill's letter <laughs> this is a really <clears throat> the pro- okay now the problem with walcott it's played very well by garrett Dillahunt. Mm-hmm. garrett Dillahunt, i don't if there was any justice in the world he would have two emmys for the show yeah because he plays two completely different characters so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walcott is a really nasty, horrible character. M- maybe worse than Cy Tolliver, even. I-, I don't know about that, but he is really nasty. Yeah. Um, at the same time, he is very enjoyable to watch at, at times. Like here when... <laughs> He can see that EB's trying to fleece him, mm-hmm. and he's just like sitting back, amused by it. Uh, is really fucking hilarious. <laughs> EB hands him the letter. He goes, "It's damp." <laughs> uh, I wonder also how much, um, especially them ca- use, like casting him again, and there's little moments like that. And little moments of him as like Jack McCall, like when he's eating the Chinese, he's like, "I touched it." If he just, <laughs> if he just like ad ad libs like really great little moments, if he's just like a great like, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. He does a lot of comedy too. So, yeah, that actor. Um, <clears throat> but Eb makes up the story about uh, how Bill, like right before he gave me this letter, he told me about a huge quartz deposit that would make him rich. And Walcott's like just smile like yeah huh and he goes how much do you want me to pay <laughs> and uh, he's like <laughs> Eb turns around he's like oh well I oh such talk <laughs> like turns around <laughs> Walcott's literally like stifling his laughter like covering his mouth uh, and Eb like then has to <laughs> you can tell he had a whole script in his head of yeah. how I'm gonna turn this slowly and Walcott's just like okay what what do you want for this. <laughs> So EB's like, oh, okay, well, I'll pay you $100 to deliver the letter, but uh, for the... Basically, he wants $10,000. Yeah. I, there's a whole lot of machinations about, like, I want a uh, cut of whatever profits you get uh, in advance, of course. <laughs> it's whatever. I guess 10000 for the letter. Um, we go back to the hardware store, and Saul's you know, just kind of recovering from... Uh, having been shot, uh, and Salt, you know, tells Trixie he's like, "I'm glad to have you back in my life," and, and 
she tells him that you can always have me back for five dollars or whatever <laughs> he's like or to get shot and he has that great line like even so it makes a man glad he has three limbs left to be damaged <laughs> uh <laughs> seth comes in his sure to be like good morning <laughs> like just, <laughs> um yeah she says uh you can have me back in your life anytime you want for five bucks two dollars for just a handshake uh as she's going to leave and he shakes her hand and kind of goes up <laughs> after the line about two dollars for a handshake and she like can't even suppress her smile at it because Saul's yeah. the goddamn best <laughs> um seth is uh letting saul know that he's back home with saul uh or <laughs> he's no he's he's back at home with martha he's, yeah with yeah. and that's when saul is like with martha and the boy and seth at first like the angry seth comes out and he's like yeah, I decided not to leave him in the street. And Saul was like, like, kind of like, okay, buddy. And Seth has to be like, I see what you mean. Yes, they decided to stay too. <laughs> um, that's when Seth brings up everything that Al had told him about the county commissioners or all from Yankton. None of them are, there's going to be no representation for the people in the hills. Um, Seth says, "Like I, I want, I want to do something about it." And Saul is with him. Well, Saul asks him, "Like when did Swearingen tell you all this?" And Seth kind of just smiles and is like, "Just before we hit the mud." And in the commentary, Milch like kind of clears up that this was supposed to be like he's happy to be back in the hardware store and he's alive mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's just back in the daily swing of things instead of just uh like dying yeah, yeah. he, he kind of likened it to when scrooge wakes up and it's just like everything looks beautiful to him because it's it's back to normal and he's not dead yeah um another quick little during the scene he dropped a interesting bit of information uh saul star was originally supposed to be played by tim blake nelson really yeah oh wow which would have been very different yeah <laughs> uh i'd I really like Tim Blake Nelson. Right. I, I don't want him to be Saul Star. No. <laughs> I mean, you probably would have been good. We're just so used it would have to been, it. It would, have been a, it would have been a completely different dynamic between him and Bullock. It would have, like, he would, he would have brought something else. It would have been this dopiness, kind of, that... Yeah. No, not to... I'm not, I'm not calling Tim Blake Nelson dopey, but, I mean, in characters that he's played, that we've seen him play, you know, in just his face... Yes. Like he has a face of somebody who's a different kind of sweet, you know, a different right. kind of um kind of a, a naive naive sweetness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd say that. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> it just sounds like a roundabout way of me saying something really mean about Tim Blake Nelson. But No, no, um, no. I get what you I that was my thoughts exactly. Right. It, but it would have been it would have been a different Seth, but I don't know if it would have been better, but then again, who knows, you know. It it right. could have been it would have it would have made um a Trixie falling for him kind of more like uh because now the way we you know, because um the fuck is his name? The guy who plays all John Hawks. Yeah, John Hawks. It, John Hawks is a is an attractive man. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty easy that Trixie would fall for somebody like that, where Tim Blake Nelson has a very unique 
kind of face that's not traditionally <laughs> handsome. But um, he seems older than her by a good amount. Yeah, I don't know. I I could be wrong about that. Right. I, well, I don't know. It seems like they're probably around the same age. But Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of him like currently, as opposed yeah. to back. To, anyway, yeah, would have been different. It would have been interesting. But yeah, I'm very happy with John. Hux. Yeah, exactly. Um, back at the gym, Doc is outside Al's room. He's he's yelling at him to let him in. Uh, Trixie comes up to him and asks how how he's doing. Doc says, like, if you can get him to let you in and find out, maybe you can tell me. Um, Trixie uh, tells him that, like, everyone's fine from the from the fight that they had. Mm-hmm. And there's shots more of Al still on the floor in the same spot, just shaking. And he manages to shout out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who he thinks he's fooling, but... Mm-hmm. And uh, then she also brings up the telegraph poles. She's like, Jesus Christ, Al. And she has this line, like, next leap of the creature, they'll be here. Mm-hmm. I, I Googled that, and only thing that popped up was Deadwood scripts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what next leap, leap of, of the, the creature, creature means. But I'm going to start using it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then she tells Dane and Johnny, like, uh, brew some of her tea, which I, I wonder if this is the stuff that Doc made for her to mm. help Alma out. Yeah. Um, if he doesn't come out in a few hours, just knock the door down. Uh, we're in the Bella Union. Walcott walks in. Uh, Cy gives a little nod to Lila, and she kind of intercepts him and uh, introduces herself. But he's there to talk to Cy. Uh, Walcott asks for a Kentucky bourbon. Cy tells a barkin to like get him a bourbon and tell him it's from Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. It might have just been an issue with like we they couldn't fit everyone in that little space, but it seemed like mm. he wasn't far away enough from Walcott for that to work. <laughs> like he was speaking too. Late. Anyway, uh, and then there's just like a lot of uh, gay jokes on Sai's part, which on the one hand I was like they need to just drop it, or maybe that, like Sai is just kind of that way where he'll make mm-hmm. a little joke mm-hmm. thinking he's being real funny mm-hmm. and everyone's just like yeah <laughs> like he, yeah he just kept it and he's like oh you don't want to be with lila and he's like i would rather speak to you and he's like oh well i ain't never been uh fucked before <laughs> and he's like, okay but once they're outside walcott you know explains that uh his employer was impressed by cybering in this uh chinese group from san francisco out to deadwood uh Sai is like getting impatient with a, like him not saying who he is and who he works for. Uh, but like the minute we see this one or two other times when people just hear the name George Hurst. Mm-hmm. And once he mentions George Hurst, Sai just like a gulp. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> Milch has a fun time like making sound effects when Sai does. He's like, a boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Sai is like done making jokes. It's like, well, I'm uh, certainly very proud to work with your most wonderful employer and all this. Mm. <laughs> he calls over like Khan and Leon. He's like, I want you to meet. There's <laughs> a walk. There's a great, like, I don't want to meet, meet them. them. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's called uh, me at every party. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, meet my friends. I don't want to meet them. I don't want to meet them. <laughs> Late, get unhand me, please. 
<laughs> kind of take your hands off of me. <laughs> and the, like as Connor Leon are like walking yeah, over, like, he like shoes away, <laughs> and they're just like, "You're oh, er, you got it, boss." <laughs> um, <laughs> Walcott, Walcott says it like we want to work with you, uh, me and my employer. And Side nearly like drops his cigar because he's so like excited about this. <laughs> um, but he he tells them that they are the one, that Con and Leon are the ones that work with the the Chinese, and they're trying to undermine Wu. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we're in sheriff the constabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. Yeah, where Jane is sleeping, where yeah, Charlie has yeah, yeah. made a quarters for her. Yeah, it's like the overflow jail cell. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wakes Jane up and like hands her a canteen. He's like, that's water. And yeah. she goes, get the fuck away from me, man. <laughs> uh, it's an interesting, like, there's an exposition dump here where, like, Charlie has to get all this out to her, like... Uh, I told you last night, Jane, I got you in the overflow jail cell. You was too drunk. <laughs> he goes, because <laughs> he, he tells her all this and goes, I explained this to you already. He's like, oh, well, shut the fuck up then. <laughs> she doesn't know it. She's like, well, if you already told me, then leave me alone. Um, and she asks, like, if it was, she's sleeping under Bill's coat. Mm-hmm. And she asked, like, uh, you know, is this, is this Bill's coat? And, he said he wouldn't see it useless or as a souvenir. I figured I'd give it work keeping the bed warm. Mm-hmm. And then she also can't like bring herself to think of herself as worth it uh-huh. or worthy of it. And says, well, what's it going to do now that I'm here? And he's like, you can keep it. Mm-hmm. And, and she just like snuggles up with it. Yeah. And she, she also has a moment where she thanks Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it like yeah. breaks and she's kind of like, thank you, Charlie. Yeah, it's kind of like the nicest thing he could have done yeah. for her. <laughs> oh. um, we are in the Shazami next. God, I hate that name. <laughs> Shazami. The Shazami. <laughs> uh, Joni is upset that Maddie didn't tell her about this dangerous John. That's <laughs> which. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, and she doesn't like her plan. To keep the girl that he wanted on ice, which, yeah, uh, Maddie is saying that she needs assurances. That's a, a really good line. Maddie, like, is not a very likable character, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But she has some really good lines. Um, this one, like, only way to guarantee an outcome is contracting to be fucked. <laughs> Everything else is a chance. Mm-hmm. Like, it, she tells her, like, you know, what if I showed up to camp and you had already gone or you were dead and I have no contacts here. Like what was I supposed like I needed this one thing mm-hmm. to be a sure moneymaker in case, you know, whatever. Um and that's when Maddie pretty much tells Joni that the girl's gonna end up dead. Yeah. <laughs> Which even for back then is really cynical, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. They said like what's what's the girl's cut of this profit? She's like I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't rule out a pine box or whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, we're in the hardware store, and Seth sells his last, uh, the last pickaxe in the store. He's like, "You got the last one." Saul is upset with himself for resupplying in small orders because of all the 
yeah, Seth tries to like assuage him. He's like, look, we've been dealing with a lot of uncertainty and uh, we don't know if the camp's going to be legal for too long, all this. But Saul says, but he's like, look, we're either in business or we ain't. And you can always, <laughs> you can always, uh, you save money by buying in bulk. And that's one of his father's deathbed <laughs> business lessons that he keeps bringing up. Um, Charlie's come in and, and he and Seth have to go over some basically sheriff's business, I guess, mm-hmm. like, uh, 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 constituents have written in with problems and they've been putting it off for a long time. And Charlie has it like, who's a fellow never, uh, who's a fellow said never put off till tomorrow. What can wait till the day after <laughs> and sauce is not my old man. <laughs> <laughs> I really love Saul's dad's sayings mm-hmm. uh we're back to the grand central and walcott and pays for the hickok letter just plops down the cash and uh he wants a bill of sales so eb makes makes that out for him anyway back at the sorry oh no, for the delivery of the letter yeah for <laughs> for re- reasons of legal nicety we'll, yeah. we'll say you're purchasing the right to deliver uh at the gym, Jewel is yelling it out to let her in, but there's there's no response. <laughs> I love this scene with Jewel. She turns, <laughs> she Al isn't answering her, so she just turns to Doc and says, "Fuck this, right, yeah. Doc?" <laughs> and Doc says, "Fuck it," and she yells, <laughs> "Dad, you need to break the fucking door down." <laughs> And I didn't know this. But he goes now. Yeah. <laughs> he says, "Is that what I just fucking said?" <laughs> then he's just like, "Oh yeah, I can finally do something. I can finally be useful." And yeah. He can... runs up and tries to bust it down, and he just like breaks his shoulder, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doc runs over and is looking to Al on the floor, and Doc kind of squeezes his pubic region, and mm-hmm. Dan like Al like whimpers, and it's like this really soft little whimper mm-hmm. but given his state and his lack of communication skills yeah you know that that is hurting him real bad if it mm-hmm. that's what's coming out um and johnny is kind of in the background and he is just like shocked at this sight which kind of like for basically for most of johnny's life i would imagine he's looked to al as his you know, father figure and mm-hmm. the man in charge of everything. And here he is like helpless on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I thought that was Johnny's reaction to a lot of this is, is interesting to me. Um, in the grand central restaurant, Seth is uh, reading a letter from one of these constituents. And I was like, it's about this case. And they're like, what case is he talking about? Like, <laughs> I hope you don't give up on the Pemberton case or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And Charlie's like, Oh, well, I, don't, I don't know what that is. <laughs> like, neither did they. Like, Charlie's like, I didn't want you to bother with it because you were busy with it. <laughs> and Charlie's like, That goes in the fucked case file. <laughs> uh, we laugh, and then that actually happens. But uh, in the thoroughfare, Almond Ellsworth are writing back. From Alma's claim. <laughs> yeah, man, this is good shit. Yeah. She's telling Ellsworth that she wants to buy the Grand Central. Petty Alma. It's the yeah. dawn of Petty Alma. Yeah, man. <laughs> she is petty as fucking yeah. good at it. Um, 
she says, I want to buy the place and, and turn it into my residence. And Ellsworth's like, I can think of a lot better places with better views. She's like, but this one lets me fuck with EB. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, well, he's used to living in the gutter, I think. She's like, but I think the you know loss of power and station would... She says, I think he'd be very sad, and I'd like to see him in that condition. <laughs> you kind of, like, the way the scene plays, it kind of looks like, oh, she's being a bitchy mm-hmm. bitch. And it's, but then you remember everything that EB's done yeah. to her. Like, you kind of look at EB and we laugh because he's hilariously pathetic. Yeah. But dealing with this dude, like, constantly bugging you. Yeah. About, like, buying your claim the day your husband dies. Mm-hmm. And you suspect that he, he probably helped kill your husband? Like, I think she's earned this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Still, um, still petty. <laughs> yeah, man. D- petty is not a negative thing in my mind. <laughs> I love that one meme where, like, uh, how long are you going to be petty? And it's that song, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Should the episode with that? <laughs> we will. Ellsworth <laughs> um, here mentions... You know, he has, he has that line of like, uh, he mentions his aristocratic lineage. Now, we we found out, you know, back in episode one, he does that thing where he asks, Swearingen, you know, with that limey damn accent of yours, is it true you're descended from the British nobility? And we learned that originally Ellsworth was the one who was supposed to be descended from the British nobility. And he mentions it here. And I'm like, is is that like... Surely by season two, it wouldn't have been like an old script that they forgot to change. Right. Like, did they just like retcon it? <laughs> like, or was he, was it a joke? I don't know. That's a good point. Um, I love that he tells, uh, yeah, he's like, uh, it makes me think this is a decision of someone who's pissed off. <laughs> and she goes, I am pissed off. <laughs> I love his line if punching someone in the nose would help i'll volunteer one that's well broken Mm -hmm. that's that's such a sweet ellsworth thing yeah why'd Um, you punch me in the face if it'll help (laughs) this one's already busted (laughs) um once they've finished their ride she goes into the grand central and locks eyes with seth and they uh have meaningful glances but she like has to has to steal herself and just keep walking. EB makes like a little comment to her, like, like, oh, arrive safe and sound. And she just like <laughs> stops and like saving my pettiness for. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I'm going to be so petty. Now we're in the hardware store. <laughs> Trixie walks in and uh, is he here too? <laughs> Trixie still <laughs> hates Seth and it's never going to change and I don't blame her. Um, and, and Saul kind of stands up for Seth. It, it kind of it, it. We left it last time where, you know, Saul went to help out Seth in his fight, but he was also like, it was one of the last things I'm doing for you. Mm-hmm. Not not one of the last things I'm doing for you, but when it was over, they like went their separate ways. Yeah. Their their uh, you know, partnership of doing absolutely everything together is over because Seth has his own life and Saul has his own life. So, uh, um, he says like, he's my friend Trixie. And she says, among other fucking things, Mm -hmm. which I, which I didn't 
quite good. Anyway, she asked Saul if she if Saul will teach her to do accounts. And mm-hmm. this is going to be running through the rest of the... Sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I'm uh, leading up to it. She just says one of my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> As like her button line. Yeah, she, she says, uh, like, I'll pay you for it, or or you can take it out and cunt. <laughs> uh, he, like, doesn't, he, he says, like, I want you to stop saying that, but mm-hmm. she gets mad. and Yeah, and she says, <laughs> fuck every fucking one of you, I wish I was a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I do, I do love that. It's very specific. Like, fuck every fucking one of you, I wish I was a tree. <laughs> um... I thought about that and was like, if Trixie were a tree, you know that she'd like end up with like bugs all in her and like she'd end up still getting fucked over by life. Yeah. <laughs> Even as a tree. Poor Trixie. <laughs> Poor Trix tree. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even you can't even face that one. <laughs> Look, it's fair. You can you're your own man, you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Alright, so we're back at the Grand Central and Walcott. Comes up to EB and says, guess what? There was <laughs> nothing in the letter about a quartz deposit. And EB's like, oh, well, uh, gosh, that's uh, too bad. <laughs> and EB's like, maybe we should talk about this somewhere else. And he's like, but not later. Like, we're going to talk about this now. It's like, oh, certainly, let's go. And they're going to walk over to the gym. EB kind of has this hand on his shoulder to lead him out and he's like please take your hand off my shoulder <laughs> which i thought of as everyone's disgusted by eb but milch mentions that people with a sexual dysfunction like what walcott has mm-hmm. don't like being touched <laughs> like that's fair enough but mm-hmm. also i think specifically because it's eb yeah um Back at the gym, like they're they're walking over to the gym, but to establish the gym, Dan, we hear him just like scream out in pain. Yeah. I guess they're popping his shoulder back into place. Yeah, I thought he had like sh- like broken it or something, but I think he was getting. I think it dislocated. Mm-hmm. Uh, here, Eb is trying to let Walcott down easy, um, uh, but <laughs> Walcott can tell that's what's happening. He's like getting. He's like. Are you going to tell me that I'm fucked? <laughs> like, EB e. starts to say, there's a phrase from the Italians. Yeah. I don't remember expressly. He's like, is the gist of it that I'm fucked? This shit out of luck. <laughs> um, but then Walcott, after a while, says, like, look, I wasn't the only, you and I weren't the only parties. I was an intermediary. And EB's like, well, uh, you know, it's your duty being thus instructed to instruct your your boss. <laughs> He's like, he starts to come up with this other, th- maybe a third letter could, a second letter could be drafted. <laughs> I think they're trying to fleece his boss together now. Anyway, and then like Walcott lets him know, like, I work for George Hurst. And like EB immediately is like, oh, oh, well, you know, I would never, I have nothing whatsoever to teach George Hurst. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would never deign to say anything. It's this is really good work by Garrett Dillahunt again because he's just like a steel-eyed killer, mm-hmm. just staring him down. Uh, and, and Walcott proposed like, okay, instead of paying the money back, uh, you can do some work for us. And he's going to spread rumors about the validity of the, all the claims in camp being called into question. And, mm-hmm. 
blah, blah, blah. Walcott asks him where the highest end brothel is, and he says, one just opened up. There's <laughs> a great ending uh, conversation. He puts his hat on. Yeah. Do you think this makes my head look big? <laughs> Even, no, sir. It makes your head look the perfect, perfect size. size. <laughs> yes, perfect size. He says, thank you. And Milch brought up again that that's something of people. His whole thing is about like being seen and... Mm-hmm. The, I thought it was him kind of testing out EB, like how how in the bag is he for me? And yeah. <laughs> the answer is 120%. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he did bring up this uh, a function of his dysfunction, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go to the Bell Union and size <laughs> gathering the troops. Mm-hmm. And he, he basically says, like, if you're ever wondering where I'm going to stand, I'm staying right fucking here no matter what goes around about the camp whether it whether we're all gonna lose our property or not <laughs> like, uh and he just says uh, <laughs> that line is i won't be further party to those rumors or bullshit yeah <laughs> which is exactly what he's doing he tells yeah. everyone like if you want you know to leave you can get your severance and you can go away and that's just a subtle way of getting everyone to spread the rumors yeah uh oh god okay so now we go back to Al's, Al's room doc has a big uh metal stick thing uh <laughs> dan calls a prick pole uh the idea is to stick it up into Al's bladder to clank against the st- <laughs> to clink against Stone. bladder stones of he and doc says assuming i can hear the clicks above his screams uh and then you know trixie can ask him like well then what's you know what's the outcome of this what do you what's the end result and he's like if there are stones then i'll have to see then you might have to do surgery cut them open and get him out and trixie's like well that'll just kill him and there's a really good sort of it's not a i don't think it's a complete theme of the series but it's definitely like an underlying current but what shall i say to you trixie that i'm sure of a happy outcome for al and all of us mm-hmm. like what do you, like, you think we're all just gonna like die old and happy in our beds and trixie's just like uh holding back tears um in size office uh leon and con come in and this is just uh, they're they're very cagey. Neither of them want to talk first. <laughs> <laughs> There's a well, uh, what's going on? I suppose is Leon's question, Mister Oliver. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> there's a great bit where Leon's like, "Oh no, Mister Tolliver, I believe ninety percent of my questions have been answered." And Con's like, "Well, you better fucking say something because it was ninety percent of your idea to come up." Here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's. <laughs> side does some really there's some good like uh acting of doing your character mm-hmm. acting yeah of, like they ask him like is the camp in jeopardy and size like oh i don't i don't i don't think any i don't think so <laughs> you know uh and he says there's there's rumors going around but whatever <laughs> con has it well rumors are not facts mm-hmm. and side then, like, after all that, he says, like, look, these rumors are going around. 
I'm not going anywhere. But if anyone wants to sell their claims, uh, you can just send them my way and I'll buy them. <laughs> which is another part of the work he's doing for Walcott, which mm-hmm. we'll find out later. Uh, now we're outside, I think we're outside the Grand Central and Trixie and Jane are drinking. <laughs> this is uh, I, I, half a really good scene. I, I don't know if it... Half a really good scene? Yeah. Um, <laughs> half of the people in the scene are doing really good work, I think. Yeah. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, okay. Trixie's mad about Al being too proud to let Doc see to him for so long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jane is, you know, drinking. She's still mad like that cocksucker. He tried to kill that little girl. And uh, <laughs> Trixie just, <laughs> okay, it took me a while to understand this line, but. Trixie says, think they're any different if their dick's been fucking cut? And I'm like, what? Oh, because Saul's Jewish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about I, Saul didn't, and, I didn't even catch the... Yeah, yeah. it's something about the dick being cut. And yeah. I was like... Because I remember that too, but I was like, oh. What? what? And then uh, she starts talking about Saul about how, like, you got to be friends with their friends. Like, because Saul was the original <laughs> Spice Girls, I guess. <laughs> like, they won't teach you unless you're friends with their friends. They won't you know, just take your money and blah, blah, blah. There's a great bit where Jane is like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's like a very, like, W.C. Fields, like, looking yeah. at the bottle, like, mm. oh, boy. She, this lady's on a tear. Uh, and she's, like, shaping up to be a nice, cool evening. <laughs> um, Trixie also brings up... Uh, jewel mm-hmm. and she's like don't let him fool you saying that it's just for a nine cent trick mm-hmm. it's a sick way of protecting her and mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's camera placement but uh-huh this just strikes me as like community community theater production of streetcar named desire just like he's just it's just a sick way of helping her like the way she's looking mm-hmm. up i it was i didn't think it was there's also good. this kind of thing of like a uh, convenient like uh like uh backstory backstory like being yeah, delivered being delivered and that happens actually uh more so this season than it did last season i noticed in a couple of like couple instances i'll bring up but um mm-hmm. but yeah you know we, we've already talked you know at length about like uh jewel and how she's obviously not there for that and so trixie's just spelling that out mm-hmm. and also it's getting kind of jane to kind of lighten up on him right because Jane just kind of like, oh, he ain't so bad after all. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he has a good side to him that I completely fucking missed. Me being fucking drunk all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get exact because this okay. phrasing is yeah. beautiful. Like, drunk as I am fucking continuously. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Drunk as I fucking am continuously. <laughs> uh, back in Alma's room, Alma's... Trying to get more info at Isringhausen, uh, like about what Seth had to say when when she uh, met with him, and Isringhausen's like, "Well, he brought up something else, but we can talk later." And almost just like frustrated at this mm-hmm. point, like Isringhausen doesn't want to talk about it in front of Sophia for whatever reason. Miss Isringhausen, the problem that Alma has with her is she's so strict and reserved mm-hmm. and, and overly uh, cold. Um, and she's like, well, then you're fired basically because mm-hmm. I'm tired of you treating my 
ward this way. Uh, um, as so, so Miss Isringhausen goes to leave, and, and Alma jabs like, "Are you not going to say goodnight to Sophia?" And that's when she kind of explains, like, "Look, in my training, they told me to see to the education and not try and like, you know, win the kids' affection because that's the parents." Yeah, we don't want to. I, I get that that they don't want to the kid to develop feelings of like the teachers, their parents instead of the actual parents. Right. Yeah. Um, Alma like gasps after the door closes, like she's yelling at Miss Isringhausen and, and the door closes and she kind of like gasps and Milch was like, this is her being like, what did I just do? <laughs> uh, now we got a scene in Sai's room, Sai lying back in repose. <laughs> Side with Lila in his Seinfeld puffy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lila tells him that people are are scared about what he said. That maybe the camps in jeopardy. And size Sai like pretty much tells her like, no, things are looking good. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> we are on easy street. No, go ahead. Oh yeah, has that line about like, but as a little boy, I take this as proof that God loved me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And his old size outlasted yeah. the cocksuckers one more time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, like, uh, I believe, Lila says, like, I believe God loves us. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, isn't that fucking sweet? Yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever. And she's like, uh, what, next time you talk to him, put in a good word for me. She's like, I put in one every night for you. I pray for you every night. Yeah. It's like, was it him that uh, had me turn you out? Shut your fucking mouth. Like, God, he's such an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, he can't. He can't yeah. deal with Mm-mm. that. He doesn't want to think about God or like someone praying for him. Or yeah, or yeah, they're <laughs> being some kind of divine thing to uh, to kind of uh, nullify his ability to just be shitty as he wants to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Uh, go back to the shades on me and Maddie's kind of posing all the women. There's a one where she's like, can you hold that for a while, dude? I've been holding this my whole fucking life. Uh, Walcott comes in. He's kind of, like, agitated. And uh, <laughs> Maddie, he's asking where Carrie is. And Maddie's just like, oh, she's been uh, waylaid in Cheyenne. She's visiting a relative. And he, like, while he's talking to her, he's, he points to one girl. He's like, please get out of my sight. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> stand somewhere else. Yeah, how close a relative is she fucking in Cheyenne? <laughs> this is also like um, goes back to because uh, you know she mentions he's a specialist, and in the last season we hear Al talk to what's his name about specialists saying you know they don't cause any problems, they just come in, do their thing, and they get out. Mm-hmm. Whereas Walcott is a specialist as well, but he he's yeah. like the absolute opposite of that. He's yeah. disrespectful. He's awful, and. Uh, just treats people like utter shit. Yeah. And later he doesn't just do his thing and leave. Mm-hmm. leave. Yeah. He like takes his time and mm-hmm. just, he just wants to like be indulged. Yeah. Um, just like, how soon is she going to be back? It's like in a matter of days. He goes, how many days are in a matter? <laughs> Again, like there's very good acting happening for Walcott, but he's also a horrifying character. Yeah. Um, Joni is getting agitated by all this. Like, she doesn't want to put up with it. She asks him 
uh, is there anything else you want to fuck while you're waiting? And he basically chooses her. Mm-hmm. And this is a quote from Milch's um, commentary. He said, here's an interesting thing. You know, people who have been scarred f- psychologically as an adolescent, they have radar for each other. Joni has no idea why she's doing what she's doing now. She's trying to provoke the guy. When their radar goes off, they both go crazy and don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. How close a relative is she fucking in Cheyenne? She's coming soon, Mr. W. Is her arrival imminent? A matter of days. How many days are in a matter? Would fucking something else fill the time? Yeah, how much you cost? I ain't for sale, sir. But I would fuck you for free. Well, I have to say, you ain't my type. Do you stand there, Mr. W, saying you're dead solid sure you'll not ever again be surprised till you've completed your earthly course? Ain't that presumptuous, sir? And ain't our quoted fee to surprise you fair and just? I always pay for pussy. Well, I may let you then. If you go ahead and twist my arm. You pay extra for that. Do unhand me. Ah, Mr. W, who I just unhanded, and Mr. Basil Hayden do not wish to be disturbed. So they spot damage in each other. Yeah. And I think also Joni's noticing a predator. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been so victimized throughout her life by all sorts of different men. She sees the worst of the worst and wants treats him like a dangerous animal mm-hmm. uh, she's going in and she kind of flashes to maddie that she has a gun as she's going in and maddie's like if she kills that prick i'm gonna be working the rest of my fucking life <laughs> um oh god <laughs> oh yes this is just the best shit so richardson's cleaning it <laughs> E.B.'s been tasked with spreading the rumors, so Uh who does he go to first? Why, Richardson, of course. (laughs) The only person who'll stand around long enough to listen to him. (laughs) Willingly. Richardson, won't you sit yourself? Allow me to take up your labors. I am confiding that turbulence, upheaval of the most violent sort, Turning seas, waves of a scale and force to make the most seasoned seafarer vomit are in prospect for this camp. And we, Richardson, you, I, and tragically others. So very many others who journeyed to the hills to stake their claims. And with those claims, their hopes for the future are but pawns of the savage sea and playthings of the fucking deep. Not for us, apparently. The placid harbor on which voyages near complete to bob and rot, bob and rot, be calmed. For us, to the very end, the dizzying surges of the storm and its crashing descents. Do you understand me, you repulsive lout? No. That little line that he does to, to maybe be tossed by tempests, like to make the most seasoned seafarer vomit. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> Blah. 
His little acting. So he he has to tell Richardson straight up that the camper's in jeopardy, Richard, that the claims are going to be blah, blah, blah. I still doubt that Richardson really understands what's happening. (laughs) Even after he point blank tells him exactly what he's supposed to think. (laughs) But like sends Richardson, it's like, (laughs) now go take the rest of the night off and not a word of this to anyone. (laughs) Now this, we go back to the chase on meat. And I think this is, you know, we have our issues with Kim Dickens, but I think this is a seriously good scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Joni's kind of she's on the bed and Walcott's just sitting stiff as a board in the corner and Joni's kind of going through the options like maybe I could undress or you could undress we could watch each other and blah 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 and you can see Walcott kind of sizing her up he asks like do you know who I am he's like what does that mean blah 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 he starts to kind of move forward slowly he's like okay unbutton my shirt she's moving like a bit too fast maybe Mm -hmm. because she's kind of going at it and it's like what do you want me to do all after this you want me to blah 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 and he's kind of just barely getting used to the idea of this happening Mm -hmm. um but she's maybe moving a little too fast milch says something here he says that writing about sexual obsessives is difficult because their temperament is not grounded in reason or anything like they don't you know they don't really have a motivation yeah and there's no like this he is like this because this happened to him as a child it's like no it's just he says it's like a calling card from the devil i too have a hand here which is really good um but walcott's off also very impressed with joni he says such a, a tiny corner of operation for such an amusing mind but eventually he, he decides he's not going to fuck her. And Milch says, uh, to me, this is a scene that always sealed Walcott's doom. Uh, the relief for the obsessive is the ritual. His brain can check out. Mm-hmm. And he goes through these steps of what he needs to blah, blah, blah. Joni stimulates him emotionally. So he can't get his relief because his mind isn't checked out. He's mm-hmm. He actually likes Joni. Yeah. And the next time he comes, we see that you know he had a lot of respect for her and he liked her. Um, and he says to her, I, I promise as I sojourn here to bring you stories of the world of men and I'll just be here in my girl's world diddling myself. <laughs> I just really like that because he's saying like, I like you a lot and, and I'm going to, you know, tell you all about what's happening. And she's every bit his intellectual equal probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he is very smart too. I, I, but Joni is also su- super sharp and mm-hmm. good reader of people uh okay so (laughs) we're gonna end this episode in al's room doc tells al what he's about to do and he goes i'm sorry for how it hurts (laughs) uh without getting into too much detail this is also a scene that hits home for me after my appendectomy i i uh needed a catheter and we experienced some problems with it boy (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not going to get too technical but it was you know one of the worst things (laughs) ever happened to me Uh uh-huh they're doing that to alan he's just screaming his guts out (laughs) uh johnny can't take it he goes out onto the balcony he's you know overwhelmed but we we said before just like seeing al laying on the floor johnny Mm -hmm. 
was overwhelmed um, by that side of, of the center of his universe like that. And Trixie yells at him like, fuck you, get in there and help. Stick your hand in his mouth so he can bite down. Yeah, which is interesting <laughs> for her character to be yeah. like, sacrifice your body to help him yeah. ease his pain. And Johnny, and he doesn't do that. No, he doesn't. He kind of goes back in, so I guess Trixie will stop yelling at him. <laughs> yelling at him from the thoroughfare. Yeah. Um, and there's shots of everyone around the camp hearing yeah. Al's screams. We've talked in previous episodes about how these are kind of like the gods of the camp. Yeah. And it just reminded me of like villagers seeing like thunder on a mountain or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or seeing, th- seeing lightning <laughs> and thunder on a mountain, like looking up at the gem and hearing these cry and it has an effect on everyone the next episode they talk about how they heard this over the night mm-hmm. um but yeah so <clears throat> doc's done that and he tries to relieve some of the urine that's backed up and but they didn't get stones out and uh doc says well that's something anyway and dan's <laughs> like is that something anyway doc <laughs> And uh, so Johnny goes out and Trixie asks, like, how to go? Did the fucking stone come out? And he's like, I didn't see no fucking stone. <laughs> he goes, but that, that's something anyway. Like, <laughs> just keeps repeating it. Yeah, that, they're, they're all just <laughs> repeating what Talk said to try yeah. and be like, yeah, we're, we're on board. We understand what's going on. <laughs> they yeah. don't at all. But yeah, that's the end of that episode. <laughs> <laughs> he's, still, he's still fully bleated. Yes. When will we have a requiem for a gleet? Next week, in fact. Uh oh. Well, yeah, this is a really good. This is setting the stage for a number of things, mostly Walcott. Like, Walcott entering is kind of low key, but it is seismic in the world of Deadwood. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a sea change for the camp and for all the characters. And, um, Walcott is sort of this this forerunner of a larger god. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, we talk about the gods of the camp. You know, it, the only the only comparison I know to make is like the Silver Surfer. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so fucking good. <laughs> but I but I know that that's from like mythology, and there's a real like intellectual <laughs> comparison to make. But all I know is like. <laughs> Uh, Walcott Silver Surfer and oh, Hearst is Galactus. <laughs> I've never actually seen those movies or read those comics, but I d- anyway, I know that like gods have forerunners in mythologies. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's what Walcott is. Fuck you. American <laughs> mythology, Daniel. American gods starring Ian McShane. Oh. Um, anyway, yeah, we will uh, get more of the Walcott saga uh, next week with Requiem for a Gleet. <laughs> Not to spoil what happens in that episode, <laughs> but uh, yeah, good, good, solid. This is a good, solid episode. You know, reading back through it, I, there's nothing. You know, Walcott arrives, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel that seismic. There's just good. You know, this show, like every scene, there's mm-hmm. something that enriches the character. Yeah, uh, or, or says something about them. And uh, it's also a neat, ex- like you were saying, it's a neat experiment for the show. Where, like you were saying, they take the gravitational force of the whole show mm. and put them out of commission. So it's kind of a, you know, it's an experimental kind of turn for Deadwood. Yeah. All right. We'll see how that plays out in the next episode. Uh, until next time, you can check us out. 
on Facebook. Just search for Unauthorized Cinnamon on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at Deadwood Pod. Check out our um, happy home at Mockingbird Network, mockingbirdnetwork.com. My other podcast, Throwing Junk, the baseball podcast, has started back up just recently because baseball's back. Uh, you got anything to plug, Harry? No. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Bird Network. Don't even know. Here's a quick note that's going to get cut. For <laughs> maybe stacked at the the end of the uh, episode, but my fiance just sent me a text, a picture of the cartoon character Baby Huey, and the comment, "You look like Baby Huey." <laughs> <laughs> you're on a podcast being cruel now bitch (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be a fun extra feature for someone yeah all right